From MPB Think Radio, this is now you're talking with Marshall Ramsey. It's the show about the most interesting people and stories of Mississippi. Well, it's the holiday season, and what better way to say I love you than the gift of reading? Today, we have the pleasure of speaking with a Jackson, Mississippi native and author of Meet Mackenzie Mason, John Street Kitchens. And we'll also welcome writer and national cartoonist Mason Mastrani. And we'll talk about our guests, about their lives, their work, and their future. And we'll also chat about the latest headlines in the weekend roundup. And we do have a question today. Today, what was your favorite book when you were a child? Hey, be part of the show. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. You can email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back after the news. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include LogMeIn, makers of GoToMeeting, a collaborative meeting platform committed to helping get work done in today's modern workforce. Learn more at GoToMeeting.com. And the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I tell you what, um, it's December, which blows me away because I'm kind of sitting here wondering, what happened to 2017? Uh, we, I mean, seriously, I thought I was awake during the last 11 months, but it went by very quickly. Indeed. I know. Now, of course, um, I'm very excited today because we really have a couple of incredibly talented people going to be on the show. One of them is a native of Jackson, Mississippi, and talented author and She's got a really cool children's book. It's called Meet Mackenzie Mason. And I'm just very excited to have Chauncey uh, Kitchens is going to be on with yes, us. And, of course, she lives great. up in Nashville now, so she'll be phoning in. Yes. But, she, you know, her heart's still here. It, it, she was just here for homecoming, Jackson State's homecoming. So she's here a lot. She comes back and forth to the uh, state. And uh-huh. her heart is, like you said, her heart is well, in she Mississippi. Got a, she got to visit her people. Mm-hmm. Now. Come on, that's important. <laughs> uh, great book, though. And I tell you what's so cool about her book. And, of course, she'll tell us this, the whole story. But basically, a lot of times when you, you know, she has a niece, loves to read. Of course, she loved to read. Uh, great combination there. And, of course, you always want to buy cool stuff for your niece. Right. And she was out there trying to find a book that, she, you know, could her niece could identify. Mm-hmm. You know, a strong, you know, very uh, confident, confident black, mm-hmm. you know, young lady. Couldn't find one. Mm-hmm. So what'd she do? She didn't complain about it. She created she one. She created one. Mm-hmm. And that's what's so awesome about it. And, and our next guest kind of fell through a mutual friend named John Reed, who is lives here in Mississippi and very active in the cartooning world and so forth, and mutual friend. And he said, oh, yeah, do you know Mason Mastroani? Mastroani, I'll get it straight. I mean, I'm, and Mason's going to kill me. I apologize in advance, Mason. I don't know. It's very Monday today. Um, and I said, yeah, he draws BC. Well, BC, the comic strip, um, Johnny Hart created it. Mason is Johnny Hart's grandson. And a few years ago, unfortunately, of course, Johnny died at his drawing table, which is every cartoonist wants to go that wow. way. I'll be really honest with you. Mason picked up the reins and just ran with it. And it's a it's a great story because it's not only just Mason. It's his whole family right. is really involved with this, keeping his grandfather's legacy going. And not only doing it, because sometimes legacy, they call them legacy comic strips. I mean, sometimes, you know, when they pick up different artists, they, they have they a different, change, they right. change mm-hmm. and so forth. Man, I mean, BC's as good as it was back in 1958 when it started. I mean, he's doing a great job. And I'm just excited because he's living part of the year here in Mississippi now. Well, I'm, so, one, I'm glad he's here. I'm glad you got him in, I am, too. too. I think it's going to be a fantastic show. And, and of course, I want to thank you for listening. And, of course, you, too, Michelle. I'm always <laughs> glad you're listening, too, because I know you could turn off the sound very easily. Um, and I had got to do something over the weekend that was just way cool. What did you do this weekend? I like, got, I don't know what you did, well, but yeah, let's let everyone else know. Well, I got to be. <laughs> The Grand Marshal Marshal. <laughs> I got to be Grand Marshal of the Madison Christmas Parade this year. And, and I tell you, it was really cool. Uh, never thought that I would, you know, number one, they plot me in a red convertible. I mean, a Camaro convertible. This thing will do like 160 miles an hour. It had like a 400 horsepower engine in it. And I had to hang on with nothing but my rear end. You know, because number one, you're only driving two miles an hour. Sure. I'm not, like, you weren't going that fast. Well, I, I was so afraid. <laughs> well, number, and, and, the low fuel light came on oh halfway my. through the parade, and I'm thinking, I'm going to end up having to push this thing. Because I, I wondered why they asked me, are you strong? Do you work out? So it's, I guess to push the car. But it made it, and it was fine. It was oh so much fun. Goodness. And I tell you, I tried to every single person that I could. You know, there would be, like, groups of people, but right. I tried to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. 
and I tried to um, just tell them how proud I was to be their Grand Marshal Marshal. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Did you give out candy and um, things no, like that? No, there's no throwing things in this parade, so I wasn't able to do candy. Although okay. a couple kids thought I was Santa Claus. <laughs> And I thought, well, I'm not quite that old, but I'm sure you're on the nice list. And, you know, and of course, their parents were shaking their head going, no, no, they're not on the nice list. But, you know, they couldn't, the kids couldn't see it. And there was a couple kids that were like, there's Ms. Ramsey's husband. Well, my wife teaches. Right. And so. So you're not, you're no longer oh, Marshall Ramsey. The, you talk about being no. a celebrity. Mm-hmm. You know, that was pretty cool. And I, I tell you, um, it was neat. And being a Grand Marshal Marshal was a cool experience. But I felt like Cinderella at the end of it, you know, because, I mean. Of course, I didn't get to keep the Camaro. That would have been kind of nice. And it didn't turn into a pumpkin, but I had to go back home. And I asked my wife, I said, can I be called Grand Marshal Marshal? Exactly. And she's like, no, you, you can't be called Grand Marshal. You're just Marshal. And then, and then I was back out raking the yard. So, I mean, it was like I went from being king for the day yes. to, to, to raking mm-hmm. my yard. Very and I saw the tree uh, that you said that was the devil uh, that yes. keeps throwing leaves. And speaking of leaves, it was so it, funny. Yeah, that I think you, it grows new leaves overnight <laughs> and just dumps them on but the But it was funny that Jordan and I are doing a uh, science fair project on why do leaves turn colors in the fall. Mm-hmm. So I was looking at your post, and we went around our neighborhood this weekend pulling beautiful leaves well, off trees. Why didn't you come to my house? I could have gotten you to pull all the leaves off that tree. Well, we picked the most. We have a um, beautiful, I mean, just our neighborhood is full of beautiful trees and just orange and red, real strong, full colors. And it was so neat. And to see how and do the research and figure out why they turn um, colors in the fall was very interesting. So doing science projects with your children, you actually learn something as well. So, so she'll be able to say, Mama, now I understand why your hair turns gray. <laughs> like, Wait a minute. I no, am not in the fall. She's the reason why my hair turns well, gray. There is some truth to that. <laughs> Having three children of my own, I do understand how that goes. Uh, so, yeah. I don't see any gray in your hair. I really don't. It's kind of weird. I'm just going to look. I mean, I'll be 50 in a couple weeks. Okay. And I should have, like, gray hair all over my head, but... It's kind of a freak of genetics. interesting. And I look like Bob Costas. I look like I've been dying it or something. I promise you, I will never dye my hair. I do, I'm not that vain. But my grand, I mean, my grandmother's 95 and she died and she barely had any gray. Really? Yeah. So it's just in your It's a genetic it's, thing. Mm-hmm, it's definitely blood. a genetic. Uh, I love the question of the day today. Oh, yeah. What is your favorite book when you're a mm-hmm. child? I had three that really stood out to me. Okay. I love the Pig, Pippi Longstocking books. Mm-hmm. I always thought those were good. Where the Red Fern Grows. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. That one's still just, I mean, yeah. I'm a dog, yeah. a sucker for dogs. So, right. I mean, it's just such a heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. And then A Wrinkle in Time, and they're about to make a new movie based on that. Yes. So I'm very excited and about that. I am excited about that movie. Just watching the previews and going behind the scenes and Oprah's in it. And yeah, of Oprah's one of the witches, which is, I was like, I never envisioned Oprah doing that, but that's cool. But it's just, it's it's like a never-ending story type movie, again, bringing it back. I love the never-ending story. That was one of my favorite books. It's and, still going on because it's yeah. never-ending. <laughs> that was one of my favorite books, and The Lion and the Witch in a Wardrobe actually was my favorite book. What do you think of the um, movie? Uh, the first one was yeah. my favorite. Yeah, uh, the first one did I like the Prince job. of. I like the uh, second one, mm-hmm. but that first one was excellent to me. And the book, you know, anyone who knows who's an avid reader knows that books just bring something else to the table. You get to use your own, own imagination. You get to use your own um, vision of what you think the characters look like. But the lion in the in that book, he was my hero. I loved him. And I was so scared of the White Witch in the book. Not the movie, you know, when I was an adult. But I was terrified of her. Um, but I love that book. I love the symbolism in that book about um, just keeping forward and moving forward and how the uh, lion comes back, and I just love it. Yeah, I love it. It's got such great li- religious it undertones, does. too. It does. Yeah, it really mean, that, does. That's, it's a fantastic book, too. Mm-hmm. And, and I, you know, you're right about the reading. And People always ask me, where do you get your cartoon ideas from? And I'll be honest with you, 99% of what I come up with comes up from reading mm-hmm. because it's not a passive thing. You're right. actually sitting there reading, and your brain's working. You watch TV, man. You're tuned out. Right. It's good stuff. So, hey, new Star Wars movie's coming out in a couple weeks, too. And yes. I'm always super excited about that. Uh, I, you know, it looks like Luke Skywalker's like had better days. He's looking pretty rough, and he looks like he's a little grumpy. And it's like, no, I don't want my Luke Skywalker being well, grumpy. Well, you know what? He has to grow. We're getting older, so of course they're well, getting no, older. Well, no, it's okay <laughs> for him to have gray in his beard. I'm all right with that. You just don't I just, want the face. I just don't want him depressed and being a grumpy Gus, you know? I mean, well, come on. You know, it, it it happens, and just the evolution. <laughs> oh, so when are you going to become grumpy? No, I that's don't think question. I would ever be grumpy. Okay, Some people say, I mean, I keep quiet, believe it or not. But when I'm quiet, I'm working or thinking. Oh, I get really grumpy. I'm a Ramsey. It's, it's just a normal thing. Really? Oh, yeah. Speaking of um, um, grumpy, 
<laughs> this is not a grumpy um, um, thought, but uh, the basketball update. Oh, yes, we sir. are 6-0. and mm-hmm. We won all our games last week, and we are on to our... Um, now we're playing the next. We're playing the teams we've already played before. Right. So now we're regurgitating all the teams we've already beat. Yeah. We're starting over tonight with Peoples and Cordoza, and our last home game is on the 11th. It's um against Brinkley. Do you go into January or is this it? This after the 11th and I think the Thursday after that on that week. Yeah. Then. Go into January for the playoffs and or the championship. Oh, so very cool, very good. I'm well, excited. I'll keep my fingers and toes crossed. Yeah. Well, you know what? They need it, but they don't. I'm just watching a group of champions on that court. It uh, is wonderful. And you're not the, the least bit, you know, you know, biased. biased. No, mm-hmm. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, we get to go tonight. Both my boys are up for who's who's, and they're like, oh. one of them's up for most talented. One of them's up for three, um, like funniest, most talented, and then um, something else, most likely to succeed or something. Oh, so like you're gonna that. be the proud papa tonight? I don't know if they win it. I mean, that's the question. But I mean, I'm pretty proud of them anyway. So. Yeah, for being nominated. Oh, so, you know, I was in the parade, and I go past my ten year old, and he's like looking at me like, "Why are you in the car?" You know, he doesn't get that because I'm just dad. And he's like, "Why are you in the car?" And I said, "Hey, you want to get in the car with me?" And he's looking at me like, "Yeah, I kind of do." But the car didn't really ever stop, so he thought I was kidding, and so he's like, oh, "But that would have been kind of neat for him to be able to ride along." It would have. So, but I tell you what, hanging, gripping on, and making sure you don't fall off the back, because that really would have been um, newsworthy if I had <laughs> exactly. fallen off the back of that thing. But Maggie Wade was there; she's one of the judges, so uh-huh. I waved at Maggie and said, like, oh. "Oh, Maggie, I love you. You're awesome." So, <laughs> pretty cool. I mean, like I said, I cleaned out a closet, raked the yard, and was a grand marshal in a parade. Exactly. So, you know, I had to balance out, you know, the, the whole deal. Exactly. Um, well, looking forward to our guest. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, Chauncey will be on with us in just a second. Mason is hopefully in the building by now. We'll get him in a little bit later. And I tell you what, um, I think both of them are going to be great guests, and you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. So, be good stuff. So, why don't we take a break? How's that sound? <laughs> you, you sound like you're excited about that. All right. Well, question today is this. What is your favorite book when you were a child? You can give us a call. Hey, we really want you to be part of the show. You can give us a call at any time at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can even email me at marshall at mpbonline.org. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio, and we'll be right back. standing member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. One app is all you need. The MPB Public Media app. Find your favorite voices and shows all in one place. Morning Edition, Prairie Home Companion, Southern Remedy, This American Life, Here and Now, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, The Gestalt Gardener, Marketplace, Snap Judgment, All Things Considered, Mississippi Edition, Local, National, or International. One app opens all of the possibilities. The MPB Public Media app, free from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I tell you what, um, our next guest is incredibly talented, and uh, just, I'm just excited to have her on, to be honest with you. You know, here, I'm always excited to have our guest on. Come on, that's just part of the deal. But I tell you what, she is a very, very talented writer, and of course, uh, and, and I just love she took the initiative when she couldn't find a book that she liked for her niece, she went out there and wrote one. She's very well. Of course, she's a Jackson Jackson native, and she lives up in Nashville now, so she's joining us via phone. So we're going to have Chauncey Kitchens. Is she is she with us? Chauncey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm doing great. Now that I'm talking to you, I'm doing even better. Um, <laughs> congratulations on the book, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Um, how long? Just just out of curiosity, how long did it take you to write that? I wrote that book in three weeks. I kind of figured. It was one of those things that you once you just sat down, the creativity just went voom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And I love this. Now, you are from here in Jackson. You went to Callaway High School and went to Jackson yes. State. Mm-hmm. 
So when did you start writing? Because I've read that you just were a big reader as a child. Yeah, I actually have been writing since I was a child, too. Uh, growing up in my household, reading and education as a whole was really, really emphasized. I have to credit my parents, Claude Linda Wilson, for really pushing me to read and to be creative. I had a bookshelf in my room growing up. We had books in the den everywhere. My dad was always reading a newspaper. My mom was always reading. Even to this day, you, you won't catch her without a book or her Kindle in her hand. So I was always reading, and I really started to write uh, at a young age, too. I was always the child that was making cards for holidays and for birthdays, or that was writing short stories, or had a diary or journal. And I even wrote my first book, really, in the sixth grade. I woke up one day and just wanted to write. I wrote a book called The Evil Twin and typed it up on the typewriter over my Christmas break. And this was back in, like, 1997. So I always say the fact that I actually published a book in 2017, 20 years later, it's kind of a full circle moment for me, but I always like to write. You know, it's funny. It sounds like we were like the same kind of kids because I was like drawing cartoon strips and everything else from an early age. It's kind of funny how that set, that plants a seed on that. And, of course, kudos to your parents, too. Good grief to push you <laughs> like that. Yeah. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about Meet Mackenzie Mason and uh, Mackenzie's New School Blues. Tell us a little bit about the book. So Mackenzie's New School Blues will be the first book in the series. It's actually a series that I want to um, – do because as I started to look for books, one thing I noticed was that there were not many series that had black characters. I could find one-off books here and there, definitely for younger children, but when it came to chapter books or books in a series, they were almost non-existent. So Mackenzie's New School Blues is the introduction to the character Mackenzie Mason. It is based on my niece, Mackenzie Faith, who came to me one Christmas and said she wanted books. And like I mentioned, while looking, I just really couldn't find anything that um, I thought she could identify with. So I decided to write something myself. And the book is about a 10-year-old fourth grader who's starting a new school. And, of course, to start a new school, you have to make friends. You have to get adjusted and start all over. But on top of that, she finds out that she must audition for the big school play. Now, even though it's a performing arts school, she went for dance and piano. So she never thought she would have to get on stage and actually say anything because she has extreme stage fright. So I won't give away the book because I want everybody listening to make sure they, they get it because there are some plot twists. But it's definitely a story about facing your fears and overcoming obstacles. And it's really good for children to read and identify with. What a powerful, wonderful message. That, that's fantastic. And how does your niece feel like, uh, now that she's a star? Is she requiring autographs or anything? Uh, you, you know, she. some people have definitely requested her autographs. So oh, I've awesome. had her sign books for me to uh, give to certain people who have wanted autographs from her. I also went to visit her school, and I read to her class and talked to some of her classmates. So, you know, she's just on cloud nine knowing people know me. They know my name, and, and the character looks just like her. I literally took a picture of her, um, a first day back to school picture from a few years ago, and told the illustrator to uh, base the picture on her, so it looks just like her. Yeah, tell us a little bit about the illustrator, too. Um, I actually, so the person who created the image is actually different from the illustrator. I have a friend, it's another full circle moment, Antoinette, who actually went to elementary school with me, and when I wrote the book I told you about in the sixth grade, she illustrated it for me back then, so when I wanted to start writing and I needed a character to be designed, I asked her if she knew anybody. She said she wasn't drawing anymore. She's uh, into computer science now. But she found somebody um, overseas to draw the character for me, and they did Mackenzie Mason. After that, Christopher Winfield was the person who did the illustration for me in this book, and he took the character and was able to modify it and do all of the uh, pictures. But I'm actually going to switch it up for the second book, so I'm looking for an illustrator right now. So if anybody's listening, you can definitely get in contact with me because I'm searching for a new illustrator. we got illustrators all over the place in this studio <laughs> right now. Everybody's sitting there yeah. nodding their heads. Talk uh-huh. a little bit about your, your niece. Now, how old is she now? My niece will be 11 next Uh-oh. She's going to be a teenager now, so you got to be right. care- you got to be careful what you write. Cause you you know, exactly. teenagers get a little bit, you know, they can be kind of embarrassed sometimes. They can. Yeah. <laughs> right, right now she still thinks I'm cool because, you know, everybody's asking about her, and she's, hey, people know me, so I think I'm still a cool aunt right now, but in a few years we'll see. Oh, trust me, i got to drop my kids off 100 yards from the school, so I understand <laughs> how that goes. Um, let's talk, go back, we'll go back to the book in just a second, and I forgot to ask you this, but since our question today is this, what was your favorite book when you were young and you were such an avid reader? What was your favorite book? I have so many favorite books, but I'll tell you the first book that I remember reading that kind of was the book. So when I was in the second grade, um, when you grow up, you know, you read the little kid books, and you want to read a big kid book. You want a book that has some thickness to it, that has a lot of pages to feel really accomplished, and Charlotte's Web 
was the first book I remember reading. It was ahead of my grade level, and I sat and got through the whole thing, and I felt so accomplished. And it's a story that's always kind of had a special place in my heart because it was the first big book I remember reading. When it comes to African-American stories, when I was younger, my mom bought me a book called uh, Bright Eyes, Brown Skin. That was the first time I remember seeing children who looked like me in a book and really just carrying that book everywhere and identifying with it. So I think those two books are what stick out most to me in my childhood. Well, that, you know, to go back to a little bit about how you created the book, and that's the thing that really jumped out at me when I was hearing about your story was the fact that you went out there and you could not find a book that necessarily represented what your niece, you know, stood for mm-hmm. or who she was or anything else. And you didn't fuss about it. You just went out and created one. And yeah. I think that's yeah. awesome. And to tell you the truth, initially, I, I didn't plan on publishing the book. I wrote it just for her. I was going to give her the book as a, a gift and say, hey, I wrote this because I wanted to find you one. But I couldn't. So I made you the main character. It's just kind of a, you know, a joke or something I knew would make her smile. But once I let my husband Chris read it, then my mom read it, and some friends read it, and then once Mackenzie gave me her thumbs up, and she told me, oh, kids in my class would definitely want to read this. I said, well, you know, I might as well share it with the world. Why just keep it to her when I know it's a problem that exists that other um, children can also benefit from? I, I tell you, a lot of people, I had this, I had a person came up to me Saturday and said that I have an idea for a children's book, but I just haven't got time to do it. I said, do it, do it now. You know, yeah. that's, that's, that's the most important thing. Cause you could have said that, well, you know, I've got a great idea, but I don't have time to do it. Mm-hmm. You make, you make time for what you want to make time for. And in this day and age with everything being digital and so many resources right at your fingertips, you really can create it on your own without the need for a publisher or an agent or anything if you don't want to go that route. So you really can do it if you want to do it. You just got to have that wheel. Well, you also have a marketing degree too, so you're pretty smart. I do. <laughs> you're, you're pretty smart about these sort of things. Um, but you're right. It is pretty amazing that you can get your stuff out there and have it, people see it. And I, I saw it had a really good deal on Kindle uh, mm-hmm. last night on, on Amazon. So you can download it in that way too. But yep. Um, you also have a blog that's really taken off too. It's dedicated to discussing the lack of children's books featuring black characters, especially for black girls. Uh, but I, your posts are wonderful, by the way. And talk about that. I mean, you're you're reaching even a bigger audience with that too, aren't you? Yeah, the blog started with me uh, before I even let anybody know that I was going to release this book and publish it. Only those really close to me knew it. I started off just like you said, discussing the lack of uh, black characters in children's books. So it kind of goes into how I got this idea, where it came from, and then touching on those different issues surrounding this from not just books or representation in general. My mom always tells a story about when I was little, I watched the 92 Summer Olympics, and I was enamored with gymnastics. So when I saw the black gymnast Dominic Dawes, I wanted to be her because she looked like me. And I think people underestimate the importance of children seeing characters or even real-life individuals who are positive and who look like them. So I think when I go out and I meet children or I go speak to schools or just across the web and social media, there's power not only to Mackenzie Mason being a black character, but there's power to children seeing me as a black author. So their eyes light up and they see me and I come uh, into the classroom or at a book festival. So representation is really near and dear to my heart. One of the things I, I liked about the book, too, and I think, you know, just any kid that reads the book can relate to some of the things that Mackenzie's going through. Because mm-hmm. I mean, that there really is. I mean, you walk into a new school and you kind of look around and you don't recognize a face. That's pretty yep. traumatic. Yep, and that's why in my bio on my website, I say that McKinley's New School Blues is a book that African-American children specifically can identify with, but that any child can relate to and enjoy. Because like you said, we all know how it feels to walk into a new school or to have to make new friends or have to face a big fear that you never thought you could do. So any child uh, can relate to that. And I have sold and talked with uh, people from every diversity with this book. It's really reaching even overseas. I have people from Europe buy it. And I look at my downloads sometime on Kindle. It's like, wow, somebody over in Sweden bought this or over in here bought this. So it's amazing how it can really reach a broad audience. It's amazing how small the world truly is. Now, what do you do? What do you do in your just spare time? I mean, I know you have a job and do some other things too. Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm really into music. I love love concerts and live music. My husband will tell you I would drag him to every live music show that I can. I also love game nights, so I'm always ready to play Taboo or Uno or Pictionary or anything that has to do with games and just spending time with family. And friends, like the older I get, I really enjoy those moments at home, just laughing, telling jokes, hosting people and having a good time. So that's what you can find me doing in my spare time. And since writing, I've started reading more. I think somewhere along the way, I used to read books so much when I was little, but I stopped reading books and I was reading articles and news and blogs. But this year, 
I had a goal at the beginning of the year that I would read 12 books. I'm already on number 11, I think, so I will finish 12 by the end of the month. So I really have started um, reading a lot more, and I'm getting back to just enjoying it because the, the more you read, the better a writer you will be. Exactly, and that's something until I – because I've always drawn cartoons, but I've started writing as recently too, and it's funny when you start writing, you start noticing other people's writing more mm-hmm. when you're reading, and it's it's the – I told my boys, it's the best education you can get to learn how to it, become a writer. It's definitely the best you can do, and I always tell um, any child that – Writing will be a part of everything you do, writing and reading. No matter what career you go into, no matter what major you go into, you will have to read, you will have to write, you will have to communicate. And as you get older, you see people in, you know, your pup, your professional life, well, they don't have the skills or you can tell that they may not be as avid of a reader. And it just really has an impact on everything you do. So I always, always promote reading and writing. I'm always curious about the creative process. And, and you know, I always love talking to writers and creators and ask them what time of day do they work? You know, some people get up really early when it's quiet. Other people, you know, can carve out time during the day. When do you sit down and do your writing? I do my writing. It really depends. It can hit me any time of day. I do my outlining. I keep a notebook by my bed. And when I started with Mackenzie Mason, any time something would hit me, I would have a notebook everywhere. It was one in my nightstand. It was one in the living room. I would write down notes. When it came to writing, it's all about me being in a group. So there's not really a set time. I think it's just whenever it hits me, I can just start. And sometimes I might sit down and write and nothing's coming out and just come back it later because I had no deadline I had to meet because it was me doing it myself so I kind of had that freedom to just write as I please but I found that when I'm really in the mood to write it just kind of comes out but I always start with the outline how I want the story to flow what's the main things and points and once you have that outline it really keeps you focused on what the story is and to complete it you know when you don't have a deadline sometimes that's harder than when you I mean this I mean I've had a deadline now for about 30 years um, uh-huh. when you don't have a daily deadline sometimes <laughs> you're just thinking well, I think I'll go do laundry today or I'll go right. rake the yard or something you know sometimes it's hard to keep focused yeah and that's why you have to have a passion for it I think if you're making yourself do it or somebody told you to do it and you're really not into it that's when having not having a deadline could be detrimental but I think I was so passionate about writing it and once I started just getting back into the group of writing really moved me so it wasn't hard if anything my husband had to tell me some nights to come to bed hey put that laptop up <laughs> and come to bed because I just want to keep working and keep writing even after the book was done and putting it together because I'm in a I'm a perfectionist so I will comb over the details like over and over again to no end so sometimes he has to pull me away because I can really really get deep into it so I never really had that problem about not staying focus but if you do you should definitely put some parameters in place so when's the next book coming out the next book is coming out in 2018 i have not released the title yet but a fun fact is that i wrote the second book immediately after i wrote the first book and it also took about three weeks to a month to write that one so it has been sitting on my laptop for about a year and a half now which is why i'm in the process now looking for an illustrator i'm going to start editing it because i haven't looked at it in about a year at this point, so it will be out in 2018. My mom and my husband say it's better than the first one. I will say that. It's more of an adventure. I think the first book introduced the world to Mackenzie Mason, set the stage for her story. The second book definitely takes you on a bit more of an adventure, so I think readers will really enjoy it. Well, not only is uh, Christopher a wise man, but he's also a wise man saying that it's better, too. <laughs> I mean, I know how that works. Yeah, he'll like to hear that. <laughs> exactly. That that book is great. It's fantastic. But you're right. You, you're right in the middle of the passion, and so why not jump on it? Right. I, I tell you what, right now there's probably an illustrator out there listening to the show, and they're, mm-hmm. they're thinking right now, i, I got to talk to her. How can they get in touch with you through your website, Facebook? Sure. Yep. You can always get in touch with me at my website, which is meetmckenziemason.com. You can also email me at chauncey, C-H-A-U-N-C-E-Y, at meetmckenziemason.com, or you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at meetmckenziemason. So you cannot miss it. Just remember those three M's, Meet McKenzie Mason, wherever uh, you're online and you'll find me. Well, Chauncey, it has been an honor and a pleasure to get to talk to you today and uh, look forward to getting the second uh, second book out. And uh, if anything we can ever do, let us know. I appreciate it. I want to let all the readers know that it is available on Amazon. And right now I'm actually doing a special where I will ship an autographed book with a bookmark to you if you make an order by December 10th by emailing me directly. So if you go to my social pages, there's a post out there where you will see the information on getting the autographed book. So if you want that in time for Christmas, it will make a great stocking stuffer. So be sure to jump on it. You're kind of like Santa. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. Thank you so much. And our next guest coming up, I tell you what, I love the comic strip BC as a child. And you're going to get to meet the creator, which is pretty cool as well. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio.
Your home for the arts and music is MPB Music Radio. From classical to bluegrass and everything in between, MPB Music Radio has a sound for every ear. For information on where to find MPB Music Radio, visit mpbonline.org. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. I tell you what, uh, before the break, you heard Chauncey Kitchens about her new book, Meet Mackenzie Mason. Well, we're going to continue the Mason theme going on here. We have, I, I tell you what, when I was a kid, I mean, I loved, you know, I loved to read Peanuts. And of course, Garfield came out when I was a little bit older. Um, liked early Garfield, you know, Calvin and Hobbes. But I always loved BC because there was always a degree of puns to it, and it was always fun, and it always, I'm, I just, it's like, this is really cool. I never got to meet its creator, Johnny Hart, and I hate that because he, I mean, just really an amazing guy. And one of the longest tenure of any cartoonist that's created a strip. He did it for years. Um, unfortunately, he passed away. Gosh, it's been almost nine years ago or so. But what was really cool, and he started the strip, I guess, February 17th, 1958, if I remember correctly. My brain didn't work good anymore. Um, but after he passed away, um, uh, his grandson took the reins of the strip and has just run with it. The strip's fantastic. It still has the same heart. You know, sometimes strips, when they take on, they have a different creator. It's not quite the same. BC is fantastic. And I'm very proud to welcome the artist and the creator. Well, I'd say the creator who creates it every day, although your grandfather created Mason Master Ani is here. Mason, it's an honor to get to meet you. Um, not often do I actually get to be in a room with another cartoonist. It doesn't happen often. There are, you know, we're kind of spread out. Welcome to Mississippi, by the way. Oh, thank you, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I hope that intro was com- somewhere normal. I mean, I apologize. It was a little bit awkward. Um, what brings you to Mississippi? Uh, well, I, I'm actually here. I actually checked to, to see if I had permission to say this. Yeah. I'm here um, with my family. My my okay. uh, fiance and my stepdaughter are um, involved in a reality TV show. They're going to be um, featured cast. How cool is that? Yeah, it's it's really cool, and it's, it's been a whirlwind. So um, I, I'm from New York. I live yeah. in upstate New York, where my family's from. Uh, hence the uh, the Italian name on on my uh, father's side there. Yeah. Um, we uh we we got the the invite to come down. They did. They got the invite to come down. They did one episode, and uh, they invited them back. So we uh we decided, hey, let's give it a go. None of yeah. us had ever been to Mississippi. Um, I, I've lived all around the country, but I've I've never been to. I, I guess this would be called the Deep South, where I'm from. This is about as deep as you're going to get in the yeah. South Department. <laughs> and I mean, you've been in Minnesota. You've been in upstate New York. We don't have that much snow. Yeah, I'm noticing that, and yeah. and I got to tell you, I don't I don't mind it all that much. I didn't think you mind it. Now, have you been here in August? Uh, we we moved here uh, this this past August, and you stayed here. Well, that, August is hot. I I tried to leave as much as I could. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, we we just ran the air conditioning in the car, and and if I had to walk, say into a store or something like that. Yeah, you drove right up to the curb. Yeah, I would actually drive right through the glass. Yeah. in the front of the store. And, Very smart. Uh, they frown on that here, but. But uh, yeah, it was it was hotter than I'd ever felt in my life, and I used to live in Orlando, and I did not realize it could be. Um, oh no! Hotter. Come on, yeah, yeah. About <laughs> to say, I've been to Disney in the summertime, so I know better on that one. <laughs> yeah, you you know you, I love your story because it kind of my grandmother was a china painter, so I didn't inherit. I mean, I didn't inherit her china painting when she passed on. But you, you loved to draw as a kid, and here you had this grandfather who did it every day. What was the relationship like? Was he? I mean. Did he sit down and tell you how to do things, or was it kind of like the situation I had with like my mom and my grandma? Is like, oh, here's some paper and here's some pens, and keep doing it. It was definitely the latter. Um, my grandfather and I were were very close, but um, we spent most of our time uh, just just discussing life, you yeah, know, <clears throat> politics, religion, and anything that came up. We were just uh, discussing, and I, I would say I was closer to him than I was to my father. Mm-hmm. Um, my father and I weren't that close, so so yeah. he was he was a huge influence, and in it. it could just be the artist lifestyle that that sort of uh, us most. I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, um, but I cer- certainly I I had the li- if there were anything genetic, I would say it's probably the the love to yeah. draw more than more than any kind of talent. That that might be true for for anyone. I'm not sure, but I just loved it so much that that I did it often enough. Then you got uh, good at it that way. Yeah. yeah, right. That made a big difference. But yeah. I mean, you you kind of went off in a different direction anyway. You were you were an illustrator, but you were also doing computer graphics. Yeah, I, I, I applied at Disney way way back in the day. I went to Orlando uh, to train as a, a stunt driver, which is yeah, that's 
That's yeah, right there being a cartoonist. Yeah, that's a big <laughs> there are a lot of jobs out there. Yeah, yeah. I crossed right into cartooning from there. No, I um um I I applied to Disney when they had the studio in Orlando. So we're talking we're talking close to fifteen years ago. Yeah. And they asked me if I knew Maya. And and I said, I, I've never heard of her. And um back in those days I think I think it was just starting out. So I, I ended up uh, Maya, for anyone who doesn't know, is a um kind of the premier uh, 3D graphics animation program of, of that age. And still today, a lot of people use Maya. Um, of course, I didn't know anything. So I ended up training at a at a great school down there called the Dave School. It was a year-long training program. And uh, it went so well that I ended up landing a job in animation on television Yeah. Uh, d- two weeks before I uh, graduated the course. Wow. And yeah. you won an Emmy, too, didn't you? I mean, you, you helped your company win we, an Emmy. We did. Um, I, I believe they won two Emmys for that for yeah. that show called Auto Be Good. Yeah. So our team, yes. Yeah, team. We're uh, recognized with, with two Emmys, and, and um, the sound guys also in Minneapolis uh, won, won a couple as well. Your your grandfather passed away. I mean, it was sad, but he passed away at his drawing table, and I'm thinking there aren't many cartoonists that would probably say, well, that's probably a good way to go, but he did die too young. That was a tough moment for your family, but then your grandmother kind of said, okay, now what are we going to do next? And it's like your whole family kind of rallied around the comic strips. Yeah, speaking of whirlwinds, that uh, my, my grandfather had um, survived cancer. Yeah. Yeah, and he had, he had, kinda, he had gotten it all clear, but mm-hmm. the chemo took a, uh, a, a, very, a very intense toll on him. Yeah. So he had a stroke at his desk. And oh, wow. I, I always think, I, I mean, we all got to go out, of course. Right. And I, I always... Um, I always felt grateful that he died in a place in his life where he felt like he was on top. Yeah, and he was. The strip yeah. was still as strong as it was. I mean, sometimes you see a creative arc. You know, sometimes in people's work, it gets better and better and better, and then there's a decline. But his never really. It always BC was good up until the day he let go. Yeah, and, yeah. and of course, drawing uh, or, or dying very suddenly at the drawing board, yeah. as opposed to a, a, a prolonged, more right. agonizing. I, I guess. Uh, yeah situation that he might have been looking at six months prior um in a way i i think we're all grateful yeah for that people don't yeah a lot of people understand that there's a lead time on cartoons you you know like for me i draw an editorial cartoon it appears you know within the time i'm done drawing it you have like a six-week window because that's it's still six weeks isn't it i'm I'm thinking syndication back from 20 years ago so i'm a little bit behind they 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 absolutely prefer six weeks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think most you're laughing. Make that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're laughing. I noticed that. Well, well, we are actually um, um, very far ahead right now, obviously because um, I'm living down here right. and, and working down here. Um, but we're we're not always at the six week mark historically. Yeah. Um, but oh, to, to get back to the, yeah. the story um, of when he passed, it was uh, in 2007. So yeah, I was just saying you had that window. You had a window saying, right. okay, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, I, I, I came home, the firm I was working for in Minneapolis at that time was, was kind of a startup. It was a new animation company and they were incredibly gracious in, uh, uh, letting me, um, go at, at, at a moment's notice. Yeah. Um, I did manage to get back out there. I worked out there for about a week. Um, we ran, I, I can't, I can't, re- forgive me. I can't remember how many weeks of classic strips. Uh, we had a, we had a. A very fast conversation about what to do with the strips. I um, I can't remember who actually said, "Let's take a shot at at uh, at me." I think mm-hmm. it might have been me. Um, <laughs> I I mean, obviously, I I felt a I, I felt a very strong right desire to want to do that. I, I felt like um, I I could be home. I could be with my family. You know, all these things. Right. And it, it just came. It, it came very quickly. And we said, okay, well, let's let's give it a shot. And I had six weeks to uh, prepare, mm-hmm. and um, my my first uh, strip launched uh, right after that period. One of the things I love about you, you mentioned family. I mean, your family's all wrapped up in the strip. I mean, you've got your brothers helping you do some writing on it. Yep. He's doing the writing. Um, your your aunt does, you know, lettering because she can letter like your grandfather and, of course, does the coloring on it. Your mom's social media and and everything I even sent me a resume uh she's pretty pretty quick on that so it's it's literally i mean your grandfather's legacy is being carried on by everybody in the family yeah you know it, it's funny things things have obviously changed a lot but not that much my aunt perry has always worked closely with my grandfather they were very close yeah um she's continuing that role her her hand is is uncanny it's it's identical oh wow yeah um 
and and uh my mother who um you know she she was living her own life absolutely but coming back home for her uh that that transition was it, it just felt very natural and, and she does everything she's amazing yeah I could tell she was a force of nature pretty much. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So talk a little, just talk shop a little bit on how you draw it. Are you, do you still hand draw it? Do you do it electronically? How does, because you can draw with a tablet and do it that way now too. Or do you actually like having a physical drawing when you do the strip? Um, it, it, we we do it uh, we do it the old school way. I yeah. I still draw it on on uh, on blanks. I call them blanks. I'm gonna give you a fist bump on that I one because I do it. that too. Yeah, I still like doing. You Let know, the, the record show. Way. We just bumped fists. <laughs> <laughs> um, we uh, we my my brother and I um, will normally come up with gags together. With me living down here, he does a lot of uh, the gag, especially for the wizard. Yeah. Um, he's he's the main writer for the wizard, so he'll just send me gags. I'll draw them up, and uh, I actually physically mail them to oh, New wow. York. Uh, yeah, we still do it that way. We're going to take a quick break. We'll continue this conversation. How's that sound? Sounds good. You're not going to run out of the studio during the break? No. <laughs> oh, good. So it's going well so far. All right. We're going to continue our conversation with Mason Masserani. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about BC and the Wizard of Id. And, of course, a third comic strip as well. I want to hear a little bit more about that. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. Generation Z. The oldest members of the group are in their early 20s, and they have never known a world without the internet. They communicate using memes, emojis, and animated GIFs. I use them every day in almost every conversation that I have. Instead of me telling someone how good I look, I can just send them a picture of Beyonce in a Queen's outfit. I'm Kelly McEvers. That story this afternoon on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. Here's a great tip to clear the clutter going into the holidays. If you've got an extra car you no longer need, or if you recently upgraded your car and don't want the hassle of selling your old one, we have a solution. You can donate it to MPB. You can submit your donation up until midnight December 31st to qualify for a tax deduction. And if that car's gotten too expensive to repair just to get it there, well, come pick it up. Go by mpbonline.org and donate your car, truck, boat, RV, or motorcycle to MPB. You're listening to Now You're Talking with Marshall Ramsey on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Now You're Talking on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Marshall Ramsey. Happy Monday and happy December. I can't believe it's already December, which means I have got at least, oh, I don't know, 21 more days to start my Christmas shopping. Uh, Once again, I'll probably get my wife a shot glass that says Mississippi on it, like what I got her last year. But anyway... Very pleased to have in the house. He's a national cartoonist. He's just incredibly talented. You've probably seen the strip BC before, Wizard of Vid. Yeah, you're nodding right now. You're probably two of your favorites. Also, too, he uh, illustrates and, and writes for the Dogs of Sea Kennel as well. That's one that he and his brother Mick work on. And Mason Mastrani is here. And, uh, Mason, it is an honor, number one, to be in the same room with another cartoonist because uh, usually there's at least about a 30 or 40-mile radius before you can hit another cartoonist. So that's pretty cool. And I'm welcome to Mississippi. Uh, you are here for a reality show with your family. So that's pretty neat, too. Thank you. And thank you so much for uh, having me. It is nice to see another cartoonist. I know. I there's there's probably uh, 10 or 12 of us in the in the whole city, right? Exactly. Oh, no, and probably in the whole Southeast. In the, okay. <laughs> the whole Southeast, probably. It's like, I know. I remember the first time I walked to my dad. Hey, Dad, what? I'm going to become a cartoonist. How many are there? I don't know. There's probably 100 editorial cartoonists. I'll keep your room ready after <laughs> college, you know. But it worked out. Um, you kind of... You fell into it under a tragic circumstance, but it's really turned into something um, a lot of fun and amazing because you you pretty much get to work with family, as we talked about, which is fun, too. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the process of writing and and creating the strip. Um, People always think, well, you know, all you got to do is draw a picture every day. Right. They've never had to actually write an idea every day either, and they don't know about that. 
uh, oddly, that's that's what I kind of always thought as well. Yeah, I I didn't realize the undertaking um, that that's involved really. Uh, well, I mean, there are there are three strips now, so it, it certainly feels like a lot more than just doing uh, one. When I began with, with right. VC there, but. Um, yeah, the, the writing, uh, it, it takes a toll. There's time commitment involved. You have a lot of respect for people like your grandfather and Charles Schultz and people that have done it for, you know, half a century. Absolutely. Yeah, to be able to do that day in, day out, and to keep the quality up, too. That's the other question, because there, there are some days you're probably sitting there thinking, wait a minute, I came up with that gag three years ago. Yeah, that, that happens a lot. Yeah. Um, I, I will inadvertently repeat gags, which is something my grandfather did. Yeah, I do um, that too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's just, dude, I, the only person I ever worry about ripping off is myself. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. You have, uh, tell us about the characters, your favorite characters, because that's kind of cool. And John Reed's in the studio also, and we'll we'll get John on the, on the, on the show one day soon, because uh, he's a pretty amazing character in his own right. Uh, but not like a cartoon character, but he's still a good character. But I know you have some favorites because you start seeing some of them pop up more in the comic strip than others. You know, it's funny. Uh, J- John and I were just uh, discussing that. I think what happens is the characters lend themselves to um, certain styles of gags or gags that might have a, a reference towards things that I'm involved with in my, my, my life at the moment. Yeah. Um, I'm a pretty avid uh, science uh Reader, I, I love to read the the latest latest articles coming out about what's going on. Whether it's uh, it re- refers to the age that BC kind of exists in, right? Which there's a lot of latitude there, um, and and um, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll gags will come that that reference what's going on in in the scientific community, and there are just some characters that are just right to make those those, those gags flow. So a lot of times the characters, a lot of it revolves around BC, Peter, and and kind of the uh, and Thor, kind of the main three there. Yeah. Um, I notice a lot that new and extra characters come in. There's a lot of ants, dinosaurs, animals, things like that. A lot of dinosaurs. I've a lot noticed. of dinosaurs. Yeah. And one um, one very resilient snake too. Yeah, yeah. He he just keeps on trucking. He really does. Snake, yeah. <laughs> On that, but that that's fun. I, and I noticed you even slipped in a Whole Foods reference the other day. I was I was telling you off the air. I was yeah. like, that's impressive. I, so they've been <laughs> around for a long time. Yeah, it's one of those inadvertent fake product placements. I call them. We we I I love. I think my brother may have actually written that gag. I don't remember. That's one thing. Uh, Mick and I we're 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 very close. He writes yeah. most of the Wizard of It. And he writes all of the Dogs of Sea Kettle. Yeah, obviously he created the strip uh, back in back in 07, I Okay. Um, I, I came on to help develop the look and the style and everything, and still draw it to this day. That's very cool. <laughs> how how long? How much of your day does it usually consume? Sea Camel, I, I always call it the dessert yeah. strip. Um, obviously, the characters are our own, so they're a little bit uh, easier to draw. Yeah, they flow. They're very expressive, just like the other two strips, but they're a little bit e- even more loose, if right. that's possible. Uh, the um, it, it, that that goes quickly. Sea kennel goes very quickly. The uh, the other two strips take a little bit longer to draw. I'm about to say that's tough because you have to meld. I mean, obviously, you and your your grandfather both have this amazing talent, but you've got to sit there and push your ability a little bit closer to his. So every day when you're drawing it, you're thinking to yourself, okay, this has to look like the classic strip. Yeah. So, but you've been doing that what nine years? I'm trying to think, eight about, years? About ten years now. Yeah, about ten yeah. years. Yeah. So you're coming up on the I'm doing my math almost on the 60th anniversary. Um. Yeah. We're, That'll we're be next very year. Close. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, God, that's amazing. <laughs> that is. Yeah. And it's, I mean, like I said, it's still great and still trucking along. You got plans, books, animation, things like that. Yeah. I actually meant to, um, I, I, I meant to set something up here in, uh, Madison. We're living in Madison and the Barnes and Noble is interested in, in doing something with us. We just haven't gotten it set up yet. We've been so busy with the show. And, um, what I'd really love to do is, is go all around Mississippi. It's it's a beautiful state. That's one thing I wanted to say. Is how oh, yeah. much I I really have enjoyed being here. I I I came without expectations. Of course, coming from New York, it's right. you know you don't really know what to expect. And and I was just blown away. I would have been blown away either way if I'd had expectations or if I hadn't. It's just a, it's beautiful here. I you know it's, I moved here from San Diego. I'm from Atlanta originally, but I moved from San Diego, and I I felt the same way. I yeah. mean, for 20 years, I've been driving around the state, going, "Wow, this this is really incredible." Yeah. And for what I do for a living, it's very fertile. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Politics very yeah, good. Absolutely. And it's t- do you ever uh, get tempted to slip politics and stuff like that into the strips? Yeah, you know, it's something my grandfather did a lot. He did particularly, I think, about 1985 or so. From yeah. that point on, he did yeah. a little bit more. Um. 
he started when, when he became a, a Christian. He, yeah. he began interjecting his faith into the strip, which was, uh, he, he, he did it in a way that to this day, I, I am just blown away by, by the skill that yeah. he was able to, to do that. Uh, po- politics came a little bit later. Yeah. I think, um, obviously it got him into a lot of trouble. It's, it's a bit divisive <laughs> to yeah. politics. Uh, but, but it was something he really enjoyed. And as much as I would love to have more of a political edge to the strips, I think the timing isn't great. Right. You know, everybody's so polarized right now. Yeah. It's, it's a tough time to do it. I, your work's incredible. I'd love to be oh, able to do an editorial, um, but I just haven't uh, haven't gotten around to um, trying to pull that off. <laughs> I'm going to ask you the question because I know the answer. But do you ever get writer's block? Yes, of course. Me yeah, well, I mean, as I say, yeah. everybody gets writer's block. Yeah, so they it's, do. it's like I think Mike Peters once said, "You know, do I worry about brushing my teeth every day? I mean, it's going to happen. <laughs> so, I mean, even when I can't think of anything, I'm like, okay, maybe I can come up with something. And usually I do, and it's usually terrible, but I do come up with something. <laughs> so, but, I mean, how do you get past it when you haven't? I I've, I found that powering through it works the best for me. I, I've tried all kinds of techniques. Yeah, everything from meditation to you know reading other people's work, everything. Um, uh, the best thing for me is just to sit down and say, okay, I'm going to write something, even if it's absolutely absurd. Yeah. And nine out of ten, it will be enough to at least get the flow going. Yeah. Um, even if I don't use the gag, which is also nine out of ten, I won't use the the first gags I force myself to write. But um, but yeah. you're right, it does. It get, primes the pump. Yeah, it does. It really it's just does. Enough. Uh, of course, you have a website. I do. Yeah. Yes, we're at uh, John Hart Studios. That's J-O-H-N-H-A-R-T Studios. And um, I also have a, a pretty big Facebook presence now, just at my name, Mason Mastriani, mm-hmm. which is uh, very hard to spell. But if you look up BC, it's pretty easy to find. <laughs> yeah. And that, that that was one thing I was going to add there. I loved how, you know, for a long time it had your grandfather's name on it. Yes. And then you were doing such a good job that they just said, you know what? And I love the quote. From the boss of the syndicate, he basically said that you're just brilliant, and we're going to put your name on there. So that was that had to be a real big moment for you. That was um, oddly humbling. I, yeah. I didn't feel like, you know, I, I didn't feel like I deserved that. Yeah. Well, you do. You do. Oh, Mason, you. it's an honor to get to meet you, and thank you for being on today. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Now you're talking this production of MPB Think Radio and produced by the amazing Michelle. Thank you, Michelle. We're going to do this again next week, but coming up next is Southern Remedy. Y'all have a great week, and we will see you next Monday.